Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I'm really excited about this new series that I'm going to be starting this morning. It's on biblical stewardship. It will be a life-giving, life-changing uh, series, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to hear some things that you've heard before. Some of you know these things, and you're, you're going to hear some things that maybe you haven't heard before, but I think uh, I've been planning this message for about three months, three or four months. I really believe that the Lord was leading us in this direction, so uh, if you're here today, uh, God has been planning this for you for a long time. And, and uh, it's, remember, when we come on Sunday mornings, when we come to a life group, it's not only so that we can learn and apply the Word of God to our lives, but so that we can help train and teach others. So again, we're going to be talking about biblical stewardship. This series is going to build on uh, from one message to the next. So I'd really like to encourage you to be here for the next uh, four weeks, five weeks. I'm not sure how long it's going to go. I think every series is important. But, you know, uh, Jesus taught about a lot of practical things that have spiritual implications. And I think this is going to be one of those uh, series that's really going to potentially impact our lives, not only our lives, but help other people. You know, Jesus came to help people. And, uh, you know, sometimes we need, a, we need a different perspective. We need a different application or a, not a different application, but we need to understand the application that the Bible is giving us so that we can live in victory and we can live the, the abundant life that Jesus came to give. So let me start off by giving you a couple of uh, definitions. Stewardship, managing someone else's resources. Biblical stewardship, managing God's resources, God's way. And I'm not going to talk a lot about this last little sentence here, but he owns it all. And, and we are just simply managers or stewards, however you want to look at that. So this morning's message is the basics. And like I said, some of this stuff that I'm going to cover today, you've heard before and you know about, but we're going to build every week. So I want to, we want to start at the baseline, okay? So we're going to be looking at Malachi 3, 8 through 10, and then going to Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And, and as I've prayed about this and considered about this series, I think there are three elements of stewardship. I think obedience is one, the first step, or one of the steps. Generosity is another element of biblical stewardship, and then management of those resources. So um, my, my first point is that God blesses us when we follow his directions. Um, the Lord provides, and, and the, the Bible is clear, when we return his portion back to him, he promises to supernaturally bless us and provide for us. Not only provide for us, but bless us. And I know that, let me, let's just go to the next slide. At Life Fellowship, we do not teach or embrace the prosperity message. The prosperity message is a perversion, and it says, I give, so I get. And we've probably seen those guys on TV that say, hey, send $77, and you're going to get a Rolex watch or whatever. That's the wrong heart. 
We're not giving so that we get. We're giving, first of all, because we're in obedience to what the Lord says. And so the prosperity message is a biblical perversion and based on selfishness. I'm going to give so I can get because it's all about me and what I get. But the Bible teaches that we get to give. He gives us. He, he gives us abundantly. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others, not so that we damn it up and hold it off ourselves. Because, listen, he has unlimited resources. But I think sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, I've got this, so I've got to hang on to it. And God is saying, I want you to have open hands. Because the more your hands are open, the more you can give. But also, the more he can give. Wouldn't you like to be a conduit that he's pouring millions of, and millions of dollars through? Wouldn't we like to be a church that he's pouring millions and millions of dollars through? Would we benefit from that? Yes. But also, we would, we would get to be distributors or managers, stewards of what the Lord is giving to us. And so, we all have that in our lives individually. We have that in our lives as a family. We have that as, in our lives as a church family. So when we give with the correct heart, the Lord supernaturally pours out his blessings. And I know that many of you know this, but let me give you an example. Uh, Let's pretend that I tell you I'm going to give you $1,000 every month, and the only stipulation is that you give my bride 10%. You give her $100 a month. Would you do that? I mean, I would do that if you said, somebody came to me and said, I'll give you $1,000, give, give my bride 900 It's still a net gain of 100 right? But that, when we have this understanding of that God owns it all, and he is just saying, the Lord is saying, I give you everything you have. Will you just return 10% back to my bride, the church? Christians that don't return the Lord's portion... Now, this is going to be kind of strong, okay? Okay, but I'm going to say it. Christians that don't return the Lord's portion are actually stealing from God. Let's, we are made in the image of God, and His character is to give. He loved the world so much that He is one and only Son. He gives us life. He gives us breath. Let's go to Malachi 3, 8 through 10. And I'm, I'm not, I could go back and read more, but I, you know, I know that most of you know this, that the first 10% of our increase, the first 10%, not the last, belongs to him, right? But let's look at, at Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Should people cheat God? This is God speaking to the children of Israel. Should people cheat God? You, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And he says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings that are mine, that belong to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. And when we look at the the body of Christ, when we look at Christians today, the percentage of Christians that actually do this, that actually return the first of their increase, or any increase, to the Lord, back to the Lord, is very small. And you think about what could we do if we just honored God, the things that we could do. We could take care of all the water issues, all the food issues in the world today. And so, but, but God is saying, you're under a curse because you're, you've been cheating me. In other words, I'm not going to pour out my abundant blessings on you 
because you're not trustworthy. Uh, verse 10 goes on to say, bring all, say all, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And we know that uh, back then, that they, that's how the priests were fed. That's how they received their provision. And today, you know, we, we, we have expenses in the church, but we're able to use the money to reach people and, and pay salaries so that, you know, that, that we can meet here and, and, and have people to lead the church and things like that. He says, if you do, if you do what? If you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will open the window of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Do we want that kind of blessing? And, and, and what is our heart? Why do we want that? So we can have more stuff, so we can have 15 storage units full of stuff? No, so we can be a blessed, but, uh, so we can be blessed, but so that we can be a blessing to others. And this is the only place I've found in the Bible where the Lord says, try it. Test me in this. Let me prove myself to you. Because why? Because he wants to pour out his abundant blessings on us. Listen, it's not about the stuff that we get. It's about our heart. What is our heart all about? Is it about him and serving him? Or is it just so we can get more stuff? So that we, when we die, we, somebody else gets all the stuff. What's our heart in this? And so he goes on to promise supernatural blessings. We don't give to get. We give because we're in obedience to him. And as a result, the Lord promises to supernaturally bless us. You know, he goes on to say your, your crops will not be uh, fall from the vine prematurely. They won't be uh, attacked by insects. Back there, they didn't have the pesticides and insecticides and all. He's saying, I'm providing a supernatural protection and blessing over the things that I've given you management and stewardship over. Now, I know that many of, of us understand this and can testify the truth, but you know, I've talked to some people, and you may talk to some people, and they say, well, that's Old Testament. You know, the law is Old Testament. Okay, so what about the Ten Commandments? That's Old Testament. Is it okay to, to murder? That's, that, that's Old Testament now. Is it okay now? Is it okay to steal? That's Old Testament, but it's still applicable to today. Is it okay to go have an adulterous affair? Is it okay to lie? That's Old Testament. That's the law. So God established some things back then that are still relevant to us today. And so, you know, people will say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, let's go to the New Testament. Okay? If that's not good enough for you, let's go to Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow, and he's talking, Jesus is confronting the religious leaders. He says, for what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, you're the ones representing God. You're the ones supposed to be leading by example and teaching, yet you're a bunch of hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. 
He's saying, you're so careful to tithe every little, every little thing. But you, you ignore the more important things. In other words, tithing is basic, fundamental. There's more. You should tithe, yes, Jesus said, but do not ignore the more important things. So it's clear in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that we are to bring the first of our increase to the Lord. Tithe means a tenth. So when we give, we're reflecting God's heart. He gave His Son so that we could be restored back into this relationship that was broken in the garden. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through this relationship that we can come back and be restored back into this relationship with the Lord. He gives us breath of life. As we'll look at later in this series, He allows us, He gives us the privilege, the opportunity to manage some of the things that He owns. He owns it all. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19-21, Don't store up your treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so what are we storing up in heaven? God takes our money and our resources that, that, that he's allocated to us and turns it into saved souls as we go and preach the gospel and we share the love of Christ and marriages are healed and restored and, and, and people are, are pulled out of addictive behaviors and all kinds of mess that we get our stuff into. And so God is able to take the resources that he gives to us to help people. And he says, wherever your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart. You know, If you want to know where the desires of your heart are, look at where you're spending your treasures. Why talk about money? You know, people, uh, you know, I've heard people say, oh, well, I guess it's hard to talk about money. No, it's really not hard to talk about money. Jesus talked about money a lot. Money is something that we have to deal and contend with. Do we have his perspective on money or resources? You know, whatever that looks like. Where and how we spend our money is a reflection of our heart. Most, most Christians would proclaim, God is my top priority. But is that proven when we look at where we are distributing his resources. Where, where are we giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures? Regarding uh, tithing, I, I check on our leaders occasionally. Um, because should I place a leader in authority that robs God? How would you feel about that? What, what if I taught you, what if I stood up here and taught you, the first of our increase belongs to the Lord. We need to bring that to the house of God. We need to return that to him. But yet I didn't do that. How would you feel about that? Hypocrite. Hypocritical. 
Jesus called the Pharisees and the religious leaders hypocrites because they dressed the part. They were actors. They were fakes. And he's saying, yes, you're so careful to tithe every little thing, but you're forgetting the more important things. Yes, you need to tithe, but there's more important things. If we don't get the basics... Can we really get more advanced things that the Lord wants us to learn and understand and walk in? Justice, mercy, faith. Recently, I did something that I don't normally do. I looked at the giving statements from last year. You, you've received those. And I found some things that I expected, and I found some other things that I expected. Many of you tithe. Some of you don't. And I expected that to find that, unfortunately. But my burden is if we don't follow basic commands and truths and principles, how are we going to be blessed? Do we expect the Lord to move powerfully in and through our lives? Listen, hear this. It's not about money. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. I don't, listen, I don't know how much money anybody makes. I've, I've heard that there are churches that, that want 1099s and they want check stubs and all that. I'm not going to do that. You know, we're going to teach you the word. And, and we're going to, I'm just going to trust that you're going to work that out. Um, if you want to know if you're tithing, you can do a very simple thing. For those of you that are part of this, this church family and been coming, look at your giving statement. Does it reflect 10% of your salary? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's not, you know, complicated. And if not, the word is clear. You're stealing from God. And my burden is not to try to get you to get more money. My burden is for your heart. Where is your heart? Where is our heart? Christians can get real creative in justifying their reasons for not tithing. You know, I've, I've, people have asked me on numerous occasions, do I tithe on the gross or on the net? Well, do you want to be blessed on the gross or on the net? Um, what, what's reflective of your heart? Are you looking to get by with just the minimum, just to meet the minimum requirements? The Lord, does the Lord give minimally or does he give extravagantly? What is our heart? Jesus taught on money and possessions in 16 of the 38 parables. Jesus taught life application principles and truths. And he said, if you will do this, it's going to be better for you. So if Jesus taught so much about money, do you think Jesus was trying to get their money? Do you really think God needs your money? He spoke everything into existence. Let there be light before he spoke the sun and the moon and the stars into existence. Do you think he could speak a $1,000 bill into existence? What did he, he tell Peter, you know, when, when they were questioning him about 
paying taxes. Does, does your teacher pay taxes? He said, go down there and catch a fish. The, ca- the first fish you catch, take the gold coin out of his, his mouth or silver coin, whatever it was. I don't remember. I mean, do you really think Jesus needs our money? And the Lord is our provider. And you may say, well, the church uses my money. Well, actually, no, the church uses his money. It's all his anyway. <laughs> Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. For the earth is the Lord's, and some of the things in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So if, if the Lord needed something, do you think he would need to come to us and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm running kind of low on, on gold in heaven. I mean, do I need to take some gold off the streets? So everything that has been created, the word says in John 1, everything was created by him and for him and through him, talking of Jesus. Everything belongs to him, including all the money in your 401k, everything in your checking account, everything in your savings, your car, your golf clubs, (laughs) your boat, whatever that looks like. He provides your job, your income, your very breath and life. My burden, my position is to help you to help all of us. And so if you've been coming here for a while, you know I'm not going to pull punches. You know, I don't, I don't like stepping on toes, but, you know, sometimes we need our toes stepped on. Sometimes we need a reality check. Maybe not for us, because I know many of you, I believe, I don't know, because I don't know what you make, but I believe that many of you do faithfully tithe, and I, I believe, I'm pretty sure, that there are some of us that give above and beyond our tithe give extravagantly. It seems like the only people that ever get offended by teaching like this are the people that don't tithe. Oh, well, all they talk about is money. Well, no, that's not all we talk about. But if you feel something rising up in you today, maybe you should check your giving statement. Maybe you should check your heart. If you're here today, I think it's by divine appointment because I've been planning this message for three months. God knew who was going to be here. I can't think of one exception. And I've talked to, I don't know, hundreds of people. uh, But individuals that have an issue with tithing don't tithe. I cannot think of one incident or one example of that. And those that have no issue with tithing... They're tithers. They understand this principle. They understand this truth. And uh, let me say this too. I, I, and again, I cannot think of one example of a person or a family that has chronic financial problems that tithe. Now, we can all go through tough times where things get a little tight. But I can't think of any person that I've ever, or family that I've ever spoken to that has continual financial problems that tithe. And so, consequently, I can't think of anybody that, that I know of that tithes that has chronic financial problems. Now, I'll tell you this. When uh, Pastor Christina and I got married, 
we were making some foolish decisions, and we, we had to dig ourselves out of debt a little bit. But we didn't know about tithing. We didn't know about stewardship. We didn't know about the principles of managing well what God had given to us. And I can uh, thank, praise God, we're, we're debt-free, totally debt-free. We don't have any debt, praise God. And we haven't had any debt for a long time. And the only debt this church has ever had is the property that we, we purchased. And we're paying that down. And, you know, many of you know this, that God has provided the, the uh, mineral rights and the oil well is, is basically paying our note. So God, listen, God blesses those who are obedient, okay? But, but the other part of that is that are we generous? The other part of that, are we managing our resources well? Because I, I, I've seen people misuse resources and, and things kind of dry up. Imagine that you have... Uh, an employee, or maybe you tell your child, okay, I have this task for you to do. And either your child or, or your employee, they do the bare minimum. They just barely cross over in what, what has to be done. How would you feel about that? You'd be thinking, well, your heart's really not in this thing. You know, you're just trying to get by with the bare minimum. And so it's for our benefit that we tithe that we get to return back to the Lord, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Listen, would, should I apologize if I teach on forgiveness? Oh, I'm, I'm going to apologize today because uh, I'm gonna, I may be pushing on some buttons here, but you know we need to forgive others because we've been forgiven. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Should I apologize if I teach on faith? We need to have faith. Faith, faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Where it's impossible to please God without faith. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Should I, should I apologize if I, I teach on being committed to the Lord, faithful, dependable followers of Christ? No, I shouldn't. And so I don't apologize for teaching on faith. I mean, on, on tithing and giving because until somebody taught us, we did not know. It's not a natural thing. Oh, I'm just going to give money to the church or to the Lord. Until you're taught, you don't know. And once we are taught, then we have a responsibility to choose, are we going to obey or not? Am I going to forgive or not? Am I going to walk in faith? This is a dynamic life that we go through, guys. You know that. And so God is building our faith. I've seen you move the mountains. Does anybody have a mountain in front of them right now? Do we have faith to know that God is going to move the mountain? Man, walking in faith is not always easy because it causes us to walk in faith. We don't know what's going to happen. But He knows. And if we're obedient and we'll just stay on the path and follow Him... We, we may not always get what we want, but we're going to get what we need. And we're going to fulfill his, his purpose and calling in our lives. So my first point is God blesses us when we follow his directions. My second point is the Lord blesses good stewardship. Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one 
and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then Jesus brings some clarity here. And verse 24 continues, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I've seen a lot of people that have made money their God. I've seen people that have become slaves to materialism. I've seen people, I know people that are, that are working themselves to death so they can take possession of things that don't really matter. Working 80, 90, 100 hours a week. And they can be caught in this vortex, just going around and around and around. They, they never get out of that trap. I'll forsake God. I'll forsake my family, my health, so I can have more, bigger, better, faster. So God blesses us when we follow his directions. Because if we're not following his his plan for our lives, then we do get caught in that vortex. The Lord blesses good stewardship. Are you a good manager of what the Lord has given you? Don't value material things more than the Lord or his plans for you. It's, it's not wrong to move into a better school district. It's not wrong to have more bedrooms so the kids don't have to share a, a room together. It's, it's not wrong to have a better vehicle. But if, when we get caught in the world system... It will never leave you satisfied. It's kind of like the flesh. You know, the, the flesh says, well, just one more time. Just one more drink. Just one more toke. Just one more hit. Just one more time at that, that inappropriate site. Just one more time. And then you find that one more time turns into 50, 100 more times. One more time is never enough. And, and when we try to follow the world system, and the world system says, hey, just one more time, it's like our flesh. Where does it end? You end up going down a rabbit hole that never ends. God values who you are, not what you have. Remember, he owns it all. It's all his anyway. Now, I want to say this. I never, I think I can say never. You know, you're never supposed to say never, right? You never say always or never. I never. Are you always, right? You get into trouble when you say that with your spouse. You always, well, you're headed. Okay, but I don't teach to situations that are going on in people's lives. I don't teach to situations per se. I mean, if, if this is relevant to you, well, then, you know, talk, talk to the Lord about this. Because like I said, I've been planning this message for months. But God wants us to, to live in victory. He wants us to thrive, not just survive. And please hear me. I'm not talking about materialism. I'm not talking about a prosperity message. I'm talking about a, a message of our heart. Where is our heart? And so these are some things that we can look at to, to demonstrate, to reflect where our heart actually is. 
You know, when I worked in industry, they said, to have a goal, it must be measurable. Well, Steve and I were working in research. Research is not always that tangible. If you're, if you're making a product, you get so many pounds out the door, you say, okay, last year we got so many pounds of, of spec uh, quality product out the gate. But in research, it can be a little more difficult. But you have to have something to measure against to know how you're doing. And there's some very practical things with tithing that we can know. Pull out your giving statement. This is what I gave. This is what I make. This is 10%. This is 20%. This is 3%. And so there are things that the Lord gives us so that we can actively and um, appropriately apply his word to our lives. It's not always ambiguous. We talk about spiritual things. We talk about spiritual growth. But many times it's the practical application that has a spiritual impact. So, if, if I'm working 80 hours a week because I'm bound up in debt, but I'm not going to church, I'm forsaking my family, my children aren't going to church because I'm caught up in this vortex, a physical thing can have spiritual implications. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. I've looked at the scripture a lot, and it's always been a little perplexing to me. Have you ever had those scriptures? You're like, man, I, I, I've read the scripture, I've heard it taught, I've heard it quoted, but there's, there's like a disconnect for me. I, I just don't, I haven't connected the dots with the scripture yet. And then something happens, and the Holy Spirit just brings some understanding or revelation to you, and you're like, oh. Oh, I get that. Or maybe you've gotten it before, and the Holy Spirit brings another deeper, uh, you know, like a three-dimensional revelation to you. And so this scripture says, For many are called, but few are chosen. And I've thought about that. And I think what the Lord was revealing to me is that the Lord calls all of us. The Lord calls many of us, okay? Let me just say it that way. But few are chosen because... They choose to walk away from the call of God on their life. Or they choose to disobey. And so, many are called, but few are chosen. It's not contingent on God choosing us, necessarily. Or maybe it is, because are we good managers? Are we good stewards of what He's called us to do? So we make life-altering choices every day. Will we serve the Lord or ourselves or money? Right? We, we make those choices. God doesn't say, you're going to serve me and you're going to submit and you're going to obey. He says, I give you free will. I give you the choice to make. My desire is that your heart, the desires of your heart will be for the things that I have for you because I love you, because as a Christian, we're supposed to have this relationship, right? 
But do we, do we really have this relationship, or is it really, well, I have this relationship with God when it's convenient. And then the other times, it's, well, it's really all about me. Anything that takes the place of God is an idol. Let's go back to, to Matthew 6.21. Wherever your treasure is there, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so the Lord is not just wanting our time, our talents, and our treasure. <laughs> That's the easy stuff. He wants our heart. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul has learned to be content. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he gives us the key here. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Our strength is in and through Christ. Now, he gives us opportunities, and, and, and we make choices to walk in that. But when we realize that when we yield to him, when we follow him, when we obey him, he's going to work all those things out. Those of us that fasted during the 21-day fast experienced some supernatural strength, not from our flesh, but from the Lord. Yeah, I, it was the Lord's help that I didn't rip open, you know, the hostess cupcake cookie or cupcake box and, and eat some. But when we get our, our focus on him and when we say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to yield to you, I'm going to put my, my flesh aside, I'm going to determine what I do here. I'm not going to be driven by my situations or circumstances or my flesh. Then we, we can have that strength and that resilience to do what God's called us to do. First Timothy 6, 8 says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. <laughs> That's what the world says, right? You don't need to buy this product. You're good just like you are. The world says, no, you need this. You, you really need this. <laughs> How many times have you bought into that? I remember years ago, uh, they had this exercise uh, series that you could get. I'll tell you how old it was. I think it was on, on videotape. All right. It's called the Jack Attack. The Jack Attack. Buy the Jack Attack and you can get in shape. You can look like me. So we bought the tapes. They didn't really work for us. In, in one of the videotapes, you're watching it, and they're, you know, they're working out, they're doing all this exercise stuff, and he says, you asked for it, you bought it, now get with it. You know, and you're like, give me that tape, I'll show you, you know. But it didn't work. We bought exercise machines, elliptical, you know those elliptical things? Yeah, we did it for a little while. A couple of weeks later, it's got clothes hanging on it. So, can we be content? You know, stewardship management also means, are we living within our means? And I'll talk more about this later. 
But are you living beyond your means? Back to the condition of our heart. Are, are we ever satisfied? And, and like I, I talked about earlier, you know, when, when you have an employee or a child and you ask them to do something, if they do just a, a sloppy, cruddy job, they did just enough to get by. Would you say, well, I want to give them more. They did such a cruddy job, I want to give them more. What's their heart? What are we teaching our children? How many generations do you think disobedience can transfer to? And, and this is one of the things that breaks my heart when I see people that are consumed with work or, or whatever distractions. It could be anything, right? But let me, let me focus on work because, I listen, I've been there. I've been there where I was working 80 or 90 hours a week. I'm killing myself. I'm making good money, but what's my God? Money or God? And so when, when I see families that are working, 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 and they're not in church because they're too tired, they're working, what do you think that has, what kind of effect does that have on their children? Well, you know, mom and dad didn't go to church. They, they, their God was money or work or whatever. Do you think it's going to impact our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren? But how many generations do you think our obedience can transfer to? Yeah, I didn't, Dad didn't take that job because he wasn't going to be able to come to church or, or whatever. It was going to pull him away from the family. You don't want your children to grow up and be like, oh, wow, I, I missed your growing up so you could have a new bicycle or a new toy or P, PlayStation 28 or whatever they, whatever they have now. What are the important things? Do you think your child is going to say, hey, Dad, I, I'm glad that you sacrificed our relationship for this PlayStation 28. Thank you for that. What about our relationship with him? Hey, Dad, thank you for everything. I'm, I, I got it now. I'm busy. I'll, I'll talk to you in 15 or 20 years when, when I retire. I want everyone, my burden is that everyone would walk in the fullness that, that they would discover the fullness of God's blessings. And please hear me, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about our heart. So my first point is God blesses us when we follow his directions. Are you following his basic directions? Are you so faithful or so concerned on tithing every little thing ooh, 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 that you miss the greater things, justice, mercy, and faith? That, that we're missing this intimate, personal relationship with God because Money, distractions, job, things have gotten in our way. The Lord blesses good stewardship. If I'm not handling well the resources he's given me, do you think he's going to continue? Have you ever invested in something? Or, and it's like putting your, your money in a sieve or a bucket with a hole in it. Would you keep doing that? Or would you look for somebody that would manage and steward well? Don't value material things more than the Lord or his plans for you. I'd like for you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you did at one point in time. And God is calling you back today. Would you slip up your hand? Anybody here this morning?
Right? Maybe you're watching online and you would say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I'd like for you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray this simple prayer. Just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I thank you that all that old stuff is washed away and gone. And today, today is a new day. Today is a fresh start. Today is a new beginning. And I ask you to help me to forgive others and to receive the fullness of your forgiveness for my life. And that you would just speak to me as I press into you. And help me to know what this means, how to yield to you, how to respond to you. But I thank you for this new beginning, this new day today. Have you prayed that prayer? I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit to wash over them. I pray that as they read your word, your word would come alive and bring fresh revelation and understanding to them. That as they spend time with you, they would not only feel your presence and understand, have a greater understanding of what this personal, intimate relationship is all about, but you would pour into their hearts, that you would flood into their hearts. And this love that comes from God would fill them to overflowing. And as Romans 12, 2 says that they and all of us would be transformed by the renewing of our mind, coming into alignment with your purpose, your plan, through this relationship with Christ. And they would be touched and changed and walk in the fullness of life that Jesus came to give all of us.